Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and a very special guest by way of Michigan slash South Korea, originally <laughs> from Ohio. This dude was the first English-speaking Hamlet <laughs> in South Korea. He is my friend, Kyle Johnson, and he represents New American Funding. And he is here today to explain and to be interviewed about his experiences as a mortgage trainer. Yep. As a sales trainer to new mortgage loan originators. Absolutely. Kyle, thank you so much for, you for being me. a guest on the Loan Officer Podcast. It is very rare that we get someone all the way from the Midwest in the month of May, because that's <laughs> about when the weather starts turning nice up your way. Uh, getting there, getting there, yeah. Getting, but you're here visiting Disney. Visiting Disney. With your family. Yep. You and I connected through the show a few months back, mm -hmm. and um, I literally said, dude, next time you're in Orlando, we should do a show. And you're like, dude... I'll be there in May. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and uh, kudos to your wife. What's her name? Uh, Taylor. Taylor, thank you very much for allowing your husband to <laughs> pull himself away from the devil known as Disney. I mean, that magical wonderland known as Disney. It's a magical devil. It is, it is a magical devil. Um, but no, thank you so much, man. Yeah, this is awesome. It is, it is awesome. I actually, I brought a book for you. Did you? I left it in the hotel. Nah. I, I was like, I could bring some a bottle of something, which I don't want to lug down, and I can't think of a sales book I would have that you probably haven't already read. So I actually got you a book called Filthy Shakespeare. Nice. It's, it is a book of all of the hidden jokes that are in all of Shakespeare's plays. I thought, I thought you might like it. So. Um, you know, I would like it. My wife would love it. My, <laughs> my wife's an English teacher. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought you were going to bring me something on Kabuki Theater, but then I remember that's more Japanese, yeah. not, not necessarily South Korean. No. But you lived in South Korea. I, I introed did. you that way, and I introed you as self-professed, at least, the first. The first. The first English-speaking Hamlet in South Korea. But that was your background, correct? Correct. What were you doing in South Korea? Uh, so I was teaching English in South Korea while also working professionally as an actor. Uh, my bachelor's degree is in musical theater. Not a lot to do uh, professionally with that background, so I jumped on the opportunity to get some experience abroad and, and kind of spread my wings a little bit. What's interesting, when I hear musical theater, like I think Broadway, mm -hmm. I don't think Shakespearean theater. Right. But you had the opportunity to play Hamlet, which is like a dream role for many actors. Yeah, and I actually argue that it is it is more musical than, than you might think with the poetry and the lyric nature of it. It, it. People who are skilled at musical theater tend to actually be very successful Shakespearean actors. So before we jump into the meat and potatoes of today, yeah. I'm just curious. What are your top two or three musicals? <laughs> okay. Um, well, I would uh, I, I would be uh, out of place to not bring up Hamilton with the Chernow book sitting on the table behind me. <laughs> so I would say uh, to consume, I, I really love uh, Hamilton. Yes. Um, I the, on a personal answer, there's a there's a show called Working, which is a musical that's adapted from a book by Studs Terkel about just working people across the country, and I. Uh, professionally, it was very fulfilling when I was able to be a part of that show. A okay. Lot of, a lot of great experiences. Did that show make it on Broadway or was it off Broadway? Uh, I'm not certain. That's going to make me look bad with my musical theater degree. That's all right. Uh, but uh, I think it was on Broadway originally. And, uh, and then, wow, if I'm going to go with a third one, I love the show Les Mis. Okay. It's a guilty pleasure. Yes. 
There's a lot of people who don't like those it, big, fancy ones, but I, I can't get over it. You so. know, that's one I have not seen yet. Mm-hmm. Les Mis is the one I've heard, though. It's like hit or miss. You're either yeah. all in or all out. Just like Or cats. is that Phantom? Both. Well, Cats, I've heard, is a no-go. My sister mm-hmm. loves it. Everyone else is like, stay away. I think my sister's seen it like 12 times. Uh, I'll, all those are on my list of like, there's no gray. It's black and yeah. white. You either load or you hit it. Hamilton's amazing. Yeah. Hamilton is flat out amazing. It made me read the book. Yeah. That book is one of like yeah, you can see over it's over my shoulder. Right it's now. behind my shoulder. It's behind your shoulder. That book is like one of the greatest trophies I have because mm. I've never read something of that magnitude. <laughs> I actually read the whole thing. That's um, funny. It helped. I started on a flight to Hawaii, so I was ten hours. And I think I cranked through 200 of the 700 pages on it's it. It's the same way yeah. Lin-Manuel started. He just found it in, in an airport and he read it. Yeah, and but was like... he's a lot more like studious and geeky <laughs> than I would ever be. Because had he not written such a badass play, I would have never even picked up the book. That And you know what? One of my mentors in the mortgage industry, his name is Dave Stevens. And uh-huh. he's a bit of a who's who for executives out there. He was once the CEO of the Mortgage Bankers Association. And anyhow, Dave had actually challenged me. To read that book. Yeah. It wasn't a difficult challenge, but, you know, he also challenged me to read, um, not the, was it, yeah, the Articles of, of Confederation? Yeah. Mm, I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe not. Um, but I'll start with the book and maybe we'll get back there. I would need the Articles of Confederation to be written in today's English. Yeah. For me to probably want to jump into it. My other two, I'll throw Hamilton up there. Um, I think Rent's a classic. Rent so, is rent's so rent, rent's a classic. That uh, I think anyone should should see. I mean, it's it's good that it's outdated. You know, in yeah. a way, it's, it's outdated. It wasn't outdated when it was, no. you know, when when it was uh, produced. Um, and I'm gonna go with something cheesy that I just loved though. I loved Legally Blonde. Uh, I have not seen it. So but it's a. I, I loved yeah. Legally Blonde. Now I'll love anything that's musical. So yeah. Jersey Boys. Um, uh, what was the one on Carol King? Um, it's amazing. Uh, it's gonna beautiful. slip my mind. Is it yeah. beautiful? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, the temptations, anything yeah. that's like Motown, of course, I'm going to be all into that, yeah. but, um, no, I'm, I'm going to throw a kind of cheesy one and go with a uh, legally blind. I like it. That's a good list in my mind. Yeah. So you're in the mortgage business. Yes. What got you into the mortgage business? Oh, uh, what got me into the mortgage business? Well, um, graduating from, from my master's program and living in the Detroit area, I okay. think there's not a lot of options, uh, if you don't have. Well, let's see here, Detroit, I think of a uh, Quicken, AKA rocket. Yeah. I think if you know how to wholesale. Ish, ish, ish. They're Michiganers. Yeah. Okay. And um, I think a Flagstar. Yeah. Uh, Quicken was the right. Yeah. Was the right choice. Okay. So. So you're living in you're living in Detroit. Yep. Um, back from South Korea. Yep. No longer teaching. No longer teaching. Completing your masters. Yep. Because you want to go back and teach. Yep. But at a higher level. Yep. Which requires a masters. Which does require a masters. Okay. And you need you need to earn some coin. Exactly. All right. And they were hiring. They were hiring. They're always hiring. It's it's their business model. We're always hiring. So, and it was that easy. You're yeah. like, yeah, I can do this. Give me a headset and let's go. Uh, for me, yeah, I'm a very outgoing person, so it's okay. pretty easy to me. So you started your career as a call center loan officer. I did. I just indeed. So we're not going to do an episode today on being a call center loan officer, mm-hmm. but depending on how much time we take on today's episode. Can I get you to stick around and let's record an extra one? Thousand percent. Just on being a call center LO. Hundred percent. I'm gonna make you go back a few years. It's fine. Okay, but you did work as a call center LO, and how many years ish did you work as a call center LO? Uh, as a call center LO, about two two and a half years. Okay, and now you train loan officers, right? And are you training loan officers to become call center LOs, to be self source LOs, what are to, to be processors, loan partners? What does the bulk of your day look like today? I feel on a personal level, it would be a, a dereliction of my duty to not 
train them to, to start to self-source. But if you look at our actual training program, it is specifically for being successful in the call center. Okay. But um, we, I make sure that I'm always sprinkling and all the, everything I can about making sure that you're controlling your own destiny. So. Correct. Because I mean, at, at a certain point, it's a natural progression for some, not for all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not right away. I have a buddy of mine, Brad, in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth market. He was nine years in a call center. Yeah. He's 20 years in the business, but his first almost 50% of, of his industry, of, of his career, was call center before he took the leap of faith and said, you know what, I think I can lead generate on my own. Yeah. Um, and he did it, and he's been successful, but doesn't mean he didn't struggle getting there. Right. Okay, so we're going to talk about loan officer training as it pertains to what you do for a living for yeah. New American Funding. Absolutely. Which, by the way, did you ever get a hold of Patty for me? Because I really want, like, on, on the top of my guest list right now, there's Christy Ferrico. Yeah. Okay, so Christy Ferrico runs uh, Mortgage for Wells Fargo. She's also the chairwoman of the Mortgage Bankers Association. Yeah. So Christy's at the top of that list. Uh, locally, there's this um, phenomenal entrepreneur who's now a fintech unicorn, Sunera. So Suni, Sunny, you're on, you're on, Sunny it is, but Sunera. Um, you're on my list. And, and also... Your boss's boss's boss. <laughs> One of the founders and CEO of New American. Patty, I can never pronounce her last name. Arviello. Arviello. Yeah. Okay. Patty Arviello, if you're tuned in, I can't wait to have you as a guest on the Loan Officer Podcast. Wink, wink, nod, nod. I'll be in Nashville for the National <laughs> MBA Conference. And I'm talking to Stephen Marshall right now about JC and I participating in Mortgage Mastermind in September, which will be in Vegas. So if we can get me and Patty in the same room with JC, these two mics and those two lights and the two cameras, maybe I could interview her and check that off my to-do list. I think at least tacitly the thumbs up for me being here did at least go through one of the RVLOs, but beautiful. But we'll see. All right. We're at least on their radar now. Yeah. Okay. So, so walk me through your day in the life of. Okay. You are in charge of training. How many loan officers are you training per month, per quarter, per year? Uh, it's a great question. So the way the program is structured is that we've got um, multiple different kind of event, uh, avenues that you can get to being on the floor. Um, so it might be easier for me to break that down. Okay. And then explain how that affects my day. Perfect. Um, and I'll go from like the, the full experience and whittle down to the more uh, quick route. So we, our program is called the Pro-LO program. Okay. And what it is is we bring in either uh, newly licensed or, or um, recently passed the NMLS courses and, and their safe exam uh, people who will then go into a about three to four week training to learn kind of what I call the, the, the why behind the what of the NMLS training. So they get that kind of, you know, the connective tissue to what is going on in the mortgage industry and how it's going to affect them. Um, and then also teach them their new job role, which is called a pre-approval specialist. Okay. And these people are already licensed? Um, some and then others not. Okay. So either the people who just passed their test, they obviously won't mm. be having any licenses yet. But sometimes if you are earlier in your career, don't have a lot of experience to, to point to, you'll still go through the full program. But I guess my point is they have gone on their own. They have yes. taken the 20-hour course. Yes. They have passed the, the course. Maybe they're waiting for their state. Correct. If they're in New York, I mean, that's nine months. Yeah. California's five months or whatever it is these days. Okay, they're waiting for the, for the process to go through, right. but the hard part's over. Yeah. Okay, then th then they come to you. So you're getting them at this point, they've at least taken their 20-hour course, and they've at least passed 
Correct. The the super hard exam that has a 56% pass rate or something. Exactly. Okay, cool. Um, once they complete that initial training, they will then hit the floor as what we call the pre-approval specialist, which is kind of like a loan officer assistant. Okay. We're getting them on the phones, getting them used to talking to people, getting them used to requesting documents, setting expectations, things that are the harder asks that sometimes are a little bit difficult when you first get started. Inbound or outbound? Uh, all calls? of that is inbound, inbound technically okay. because they are being transferred from a customer service agent. Okay. Um, where that original conversation may have been outbound. Gotcha. So um, they're, they're, they're warm handoffs, we call them. So they are pre-approval specialists. Correct. Okay. And in their, in their journey as pre-approval specialists, they're going to be focused on hitting a couple key metrics to just try to prove that, hey, I am able to, to at least get some documents back. And then once they are able to kind of show that, we bring them back to the junior loan officer training. We get them prepped up, teach them a little bit more about pricing, all that stuff, get them to start to, to plan out loans and everything. And then we can get them back onto the floor after that training as junior loan officers. So that's the full pro-LO experience. Okay, so I don't start as a customer service rep making no, outbound phone calls. Not at all. Is a customer service rep a different department or is it a step up from a, a application? Um, a approval specialist. It's going to pre-approval specialist. Yes. It is a different department. Okay. Um, there, there used to be a little bit of a progression from being a customer service specialist into being a pre-approval specialist, mm -hmm. but we found it is a little bit better to keep them kind of separate. So, so you, you want your sales people to be selling sales smile yeah. dial, baby. Yeah. Yep. Smile dial. If you get a warm one that is interested transfer and they get transferred into the pre-approval specialist, who's going to take the basic information. Yeah. Basically, fill out a, a com complete Erla. Kind of. Do you, we don't, we don't, do you they all don't, still call them 1003s? I call them 1003s because I'm old school, but I do. what are you coaching these days? I mean, I literally I teach a class that I call the conversational 1003. Okay. Um, but it should be the conversational application or the conversational Erla. I can't break the fact. So even you. Even I. Okay. Relatively call, newbie. Still call it a 1003. Correct. So I shouldn't feel like I'm a no. total boomer by calling it a 1003. No. All right. It's good to know. So that's that's the full program where they get the they get the training at the the front end about how to kind of teach them to be on the phones and then they go back into the classroom to learn the role of being a junior loan officer and then they're finally on the floor. And so I kind of equate it to all my trainees as like this is your lecture and there's your lab. Oh. Then you go back to your lecture hall and then you get back on the floor as a junior loan officer and once you're able to hit your metrics there, hit the senior floor and you're you're off. So as a pre-approval specialist, am I answering questions from the consumer about like running payments or am I, at this point, I'm just more collecting documents? For, for the most part, the pre-approval specialists will not have any licenses that are sponsored, so they're okay. not allowed to talk about specifics. Okay. So we don't even accept the full application. Okay. I call it a profile call where they're just getting to know the borrower and then ask for the basic income and asset documents so that they get a little bit of experience, you know, getting steps back and then... And then does that person own that lead until they receive back what they need? Yeah, or, it's in their okay. pipeline. So, so, they're, so, it's so in they're their also learning managing and, pipeline. And so yeah, so you're learning pipeline management, you're learning lead follow-up, because yep. it's great that I talked to you today, but today is Wednesday, mm -hmm. and I need your docs back by Friday in order to move your, your file along. And if it's Tuesday, and I haven't received your docs back, I better be calling you, because yep. I needed them back on Friday. Correct. Okay, um, and then I'm sure some of the KPIs that you're mentioning, I'm sure if I was, you know, in your department helping you run it, I'm sure those KPIs would, would be everything from listening in on their phone call to see how friendly they were mm. and, and um, you know, how great of customer service experience that they were able to provide, but also it's, it's what's your conversion? Of the phone calls that you receive, how many of these are being 
convert it into I have income in asset docs. Yeah, and so with, without getting into uh, too many specifics, yes. don't give away the secret sauce. Exactly. Um, the the that we do have quality control measures that are, are doing the, the the kind of listening. Okay. Um, but as far as an actual KPI is concerned, they're they're pretty basic on that first level. Okay. And how long would someone work in that particular role? Is that a forever role for some people, or is it no. always a? It's it's as I tell every single one of my trainees, we didn't hire you to be a pre approval specialist. We hired you to be a loan officer. So you're, this is either going to be your make or break. This pretty is kind of like a weed out. Yeah. Like when I went to college, it was my uh, communication law course. Okay. That if you wanted your degree in advertising and public relations, you better figure out a way to pass communication law. It's like thermodynamics for a lot of engineering majors. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was tort. I was libel. I was slander. And it was deemed the weed out course. Exactly. So if you couldn't pass that, then your degree just said communications on it. You got a basic communication degree. Okay. So yeah, which is great. I think it's good for people to get in, get their feet wet, Mm -hmm. get a taste of it. And be able to figure out, like, hey, am I willing to continue to do it down this path, or do I get to realize early on this is not for me? Right. Um, and it's probably good for companies like yours who follow this type of a business model because you're able to figure out, well, who's worth the extra part of Kyle, right? You got it, you gave him the basic, mm-hmm. but it's like, well, you know, who 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 gets to come to my lab? Exactly. Um, okay, so they do that, and you said it's like three months typically. So it's going to be three weeks on the first training, and okay. then they're on the floor as a pre-approval specialist for about two months. Okay back in for another three weeks of training and then onto the floor as a junior loan officer. And that is targeted three to six months is where we want you to kind of progress onto the senior floor. Okay. And then, so that's the full experience. So So, within six to nine months, yeah. if I'm good and I listen and I have ability and aptitude, I could not count on, but you know, kind of, yeah, kind of count on being like, hey, I'll be an LO within the next nine to 12 months. Yeah. If I come in and I just follow this system and I'm attentive and I listen and I try hard, yeah. then w- within within that time frame. And then once I'm a loan officer, I'm assuming at that point, I'm only talking to people who are live. They have a pulse, they have a breath, they have a job, and they're serious about needing a home loan. Yeah, and, and that's the, the, the type of calls that a loan officer is going to take are going to be in no way different from the type of calls that a pre-approval specialist is going to take. So you're, you're, even as a pre-approval specialist, you're talking to the same people. What you're doing is you're getting that initial package, and then you're able to hand it off to a senior loan officer who's going to be able to run it across the finish line. Yeah. So, so. Like, yeah. So if I was a senior loan officer in your system, when I get a file, it's kind of put together. If, it's, you're, it's, if you're accepting a package from the pre-approval specialist, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh because Because they're I, also fielding calls like that. Oh. Everyone's fielding the calls. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. So everyone fields calls. Yeah. It's not okay, uh, but I, I had the ability that I can take a file from start to finish if I'm a senior loan officer, mm-hmm. or I can take a file that someone else started, and then I can jump in and take it to the finish line. Right. Ah, interesting. Um, can you share? No, I'll, I'll ask you off. off okay. I, I have some questions I can ask you uh, off record, friend talk. Gotcha. Because um, it's my own curiosity. Yeah. Like, uh, there's so many episodes that you know, I've guessed, and you and I weren't this way, because you and I are kind of like, how do we only do this for half an hour? We could probably talk for three <laughs> days straight. But, um, you know, I'll have some guests like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to talk about. I'm like, don't worry. My natural curiosity is going to take over, <laughs> and I will pepper you with questions or add commentary as I have these aha moments. Um, so on, staying in the same lane, yeah. but switching gears a little bit, as a trainer of people who are newer to the industry, 
What are some like just basic rules of thumb that you find yourself constantly teaching or messages that you're really trying to hammer home or, or, or convey? And then after we answer that, I'm also going to want to ask you about common pitfalls that you mm. could warn people to, hey, stay out of that Absolutely. way or, or stay away from that. But let's start on the more positive side. What, what are some of the, the typical rules of thumbs that, that you're sharing with your, can I call them students? Are they students? What are they called? I, I prefer to call them trainees. Trainees. But, okay. Yeah. With, with, with your trainees. I think the biggest thing that, that I try to um, impart as strongly as possible is the amount of fires that you can avoid by being clear and, and transparent up front and making sure that you set clear expectations and create urgency on the front end because you end up chasing half your pipeline nonstop for months when you could have just been more transparent with somebody up front. Can and you give me an example of what transparency means to you? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times people have this um, maybe um, inclination as a pre-approval specialist to not want to admit that they're a pre-approval specialist. Okay. Because they think that that makes them look like they're lesser than. I'm like, no, own it. Yeah. People aren't going to judge you for that. Like, yeah, everybody starts somewhere. And a lot of the most successful pre-approval specialists are the ones who lean into it and they share with the borrowers where they are. And then you got two humans that are connecting to each other versus somebody trying to make a sale. So if you can just connect to somebody on that human level, it's so much easier to just make a friend out of them and you want to do business with people you like. I, I love it. I love hearing you say it, right? Because a different business model than what I'm used to, mm. you know, a, a state 2,000 miles away, <laughs> yet we teach the same yeah. thing. Maybe slightly different methodologies at time, but I will tell someone when it comes to like, you know, being transparent and, and, and like kind of owning it, um, when when you were oh my gosh I just lost my train of thought I'm gonna have to go back to this you were just sharing with me how how you tell them um, to you know oh there it was ding ding your borrower especially if they're a first time home buyer mm -hmm. has never done done this before correct so they don't know if something's supposed to take two minutes or two hours mm -hmm. they don't know if they're supposed to talk to one person or three people exactly they don't know what they do know is what you tell them all right and as long as you're honest and forthright with them. They're going to accept that. Exactly. And even if this is their third time buying a house, they haven't bought a house in three years or five years or seven years. And or they bought it in 2005, 2006. Yeah, when yes, like everything changes. Exactly. So yes, anyone who is listening to Kyle or willing to listen to me, yes, own it and also understand that your consumer, your borrower, your client, they don't know. Even if something goes wrong, they don't know what went wrong. I equate it to being on stage, right? If uh, the one person who doesn't know if you forget a line is the audience. Yes. So your borrower doesn't know if a conversation's going somewhere it's not supposed to go. They just know that I'm talking to a professional in the mortgage industry and they asked me this question. Yes. And so they want to continue the conversation. Um, I love it. Okay. So, so that was, that's an, uh, a good example of how you could be transparent with somebody. Yeah. How about setting proper expectations? What, what, what are some of the, like, what are some case examples? I use to... the, the term firm timestamp more often than anyone probably should. Um, but it's just when, when pre-approval specialists or even earlier career loan officers say like, yeah, just get me those documents by, you know, the end of the week or as soon yeah. as possible. Yeah. What, like, what no. does that mean? What, like as soon as possible to me is going to yeah. be different for you. Yeah. Different for John. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's just you got to set firm timestamps time and make clear expectations and know that, hey, I'm a professional. My time is valuable. So I've, like if I'm going to help you, I need a little bit of help from you, too. And, and make sure you, you set those clear expectations with your borrowers. And so they know 
Kyle said, yeah. he's, gonna, Kyle said he's gonna call me at 11.30 if I don't know those documents, I better, I yeah, better get them a, over. Yeah, a right? firm time stamp, because yeah. you were right. Yeah, um, yeah I'll, I need that as soon as possible, Well, or I need, that, I need that sooner than later. I'm like, well, okay, I'm 43 years old, I plan to live until 97. So I have another 50, you know, 50 50, years 55 <laughs> years to go. I'll get it to you by the end of the year. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's relative. You know, if I wait seven months when I have another 50, oh, oh, you wanted it by Friday. I'm sorry. My bad. Yeah, my, my you bad. You didn't say that. Yeah. Um, all right. So then what are some of the pitfalls? Like, what are, what are some of the things that you're like, oh, my gosh, don't go there? I think one of the biggest pitfalls that I hear when I'm doing a lot of these call reviews is actually going to bleed out from what we were just talking about. And it's looking at this as a transactional relationship. A lot of people are going to want to because they think, hey, I'm in a call center. I got leads. And let me just let me just find the ones that can I, I can convert really quickly. And then I don't treat the person like a person. And that is, is something that upsets me. Right. Um, I want to make sure that every single borrower that interacts with me or anyone that I train has an amazing experience. They get to talk to a human and they really get to go through this process in a way that is humanizing for them. Because I, I say every person deserves my help, whether it's a $50,000 loan or a $500,000 loan, that person needs help. And so I think the biggest pitfall is to look at it from a lens of like, how can I get mine rather than how can I help this person? And I always bring it back to that. Um, what's the Zig Ziglar quote? Uh, you can have everything you want in life as long as you help enough people get what they want. Yeah. So I think the biggest pitfall is losing sight of that and just focusing on, on getting mine. Yeah. Mine was always put others first and never be last. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, I jokingly tell my kids, I'm like, yeah, put yourself first and everybody last. <laughs> like, dad, that's not how it goes. I'm like, I know that's not how it goes, but I just like to joke with you guys as if that's, that is how it goes. Um, how much time are you spending with the, the senior LOs? Are you in charge that's of them a, as well? That's a great question. And I kind of wanted to lean on to that as well. We, what we do at New American Funding is we have every Thursday, we have mandatory trainings that okay. are based on a topic that is of import for that week. Um, those are all done by the same trainer. Um, so we don't really share those duties. But every Friday, we do have what we call our sales fundamentals. So we have optional trainings for everybody to come to. And we've got, you know, PAL specialists who come to those. We've got junior loan officers, senior loan officers, um, sales managers coming into those those classes just to, like, reinforce a lot of those things that we can lose sight of when we're not really focused on them on a, on a daily basis. So what is your favorite loan product to teach? <laughs> to teach, okay. Or to originate? My favorite loan product? Yeah. I'm I'm a vanilla person, man. Okay. I just give me the basics. Yeah. For for uh, selling, I want to kind of keep it simple, right? Just to to help grease the wheels a little bit. But but um, as far as teaching, um, I don't know. That's a great question. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah, like, like mine was always VA. I, I don't know if you had an opportunity to do, yeah. to do a VA uh, home loan when, when you were originating. I will say things like VA or FHA, anything like that, that's going to throw a weird encompass error that I get to. Be, they're like, what does this mean? And I'm like, well, can you can you click on the error for me yeah. so I can actually see what the message is? And you're like, oh, yeah, you didn't do your your head 1003 addendum or something. Yeah. Right. Like those those are fun to teach because it, it just feels good being able to decipher things and be like, oh, I do know what I'm doing. So, well, I know we're, we're, if, if and when time permits, uh, we're going to do a whole episode on you as your as a loan <laughs> officer, right? Because I'm I'm curious coming in as as a call center LO, and I, I ask you as a trainer, how much time are you spending on income calculation? Uh, personally, well, just in general, like like is that something that you are teaching, or do you use a third party to teach that? Good like question. like how are you all teaching income calculation to 
your pre-approval specialists, all the way up to your juniors, all the way up to your seniors. Yeah. Um, are you using internal or external uh, sources to to teach them how to properly calculate income? So all of our internal, all of our income calculation training is internal. Okay. So um, pre-approval specialists, we don't have doing much of it just okay. because it's it's not the goal of what we're looking at for them. Um, that is something that originally comes out um, as a side training and then also reinforced in the junior loan officer training that we that we deliver. So what are the gotchas when you're teaching that, whether it's to the pre-approval specialist or to the junior, there has to be a list of gotchas. We're like, hey, make sure when you're reviewing a credit report or income assets mm -hmm. or uh, income documents or asset documents, you look out for X, Y and Z. I like curveballs like the, you know, making sure they understand how much to gross up on on different programs or um, listing utilities on on credit reports to see if they catch that. Those are those are my biggest gotchas that I like to use as curveballs. Oh, you mean like when a creditor is listing someone's utilities on the credit report, cell phone bills? Yeah, like like, that. like your coach me, like, hey, you can omit that, yeah. right? Omit it's not a real debt. Right. Okay. Very good. Um, mine was I learned this as a loan officer the hard way. Okay. Actually, looking at my pay stub mm. for the deductions. Yeah. Because there's this little thing called alimony and yep. child support. If you're and behind, that's going to get garnished. Well, or he just had his garnished out of, out of request. Okay. And I, I tell a story. So if you're an Advil listener, you've probably heard it before. But it's the first time I was caught with my pants down as a, as a loan officer. I didn't ask the question, are you obligated to pay alimony and child support? Homeboy was 23 years old, and I had met him and his wife and their baby. Didn't think I had to ask him that question. <laughs> and, and I made the assumptive filling out the humda data like going through like hey any bankruptcies and foreclosures short sales are us us citizen and yeah i just kind of skimmed through that one and <laughs> yeah no he had a kid when he was 17. and it was right there on the pay stub but you better believe when i got the pay stub i checked how many hours i checked the hourly rate uh, i checked to see if he was paid bi-weekly or twice a month because it's a difference you know like yep. all of those things i was trained and taught i didn't check the see, deductions. Yeah, it was yeah. $213 a month. That's a lot. But yeah, that was a difference between like a 49 DTI and a 52. There you go. That that Luckily, I, I remember how I, I, I got out of this because I flipped them from conventional to FHA mm -hmm. and I was able to get a approved eligible with a 52 on FHA and I couldn't do it. And luckily, it was a much different market than what we're in today. Right. And I didn't have to deal with a crabby seller who would be like, I'm not, you know, like, no, just sign the damn addendum <laughs> and I'm going to get the appraiser to do a couple extra, you know, hours of work. I'll pay the difference. Like, we're still going to close on time. Exactly. Like, it's all good. Uh, so whenever I'm training loan officers and then we're doing income calculations, That's I'm like, you better read that. And the other one is on assets. Mm. I really, really, really need them. Unless like we're looking for using Finicity and D1C, you can avoid some of these things. But you can't always use that because not every credit union or bank is is you know eligible through those those technology platforms, and um, there was a reoccurring debit. What's this? What's this? Two fifty. Yeah, every two every, weeks. every 29th of the month. What is that? What is that? Yeah. Oh, it was the car they bought from the buy here pay here lot that doesn't oh. report. That That's doesn't report. Yeah. So you know, I was trained and taught younger loan officers. 
I looked for large deposits. Not, not, I not wasn't routine lo- deductions. Yeah. Like, you know, the creepy part of me would like look at, oh, I wonder where they shop. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, oh, they're just at Fair Villa Mega Store. By the way, only people in Central Florida know what that is. Everyone else, Google it. Um, I'm like, oh, they went to Fair Villa. They, you know, they, they like to go to, oh, they like Burger King, not McDonald's. You know, That's like, funny. Um, but I just never, I checked for large deposits and this person had, the same whatever it was, two hundred fifty dollars on the 29th, every, every month, month yeah. going out. Underwriter called me out. What is it? I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, it was a car loan. There you go. So yeah, so those are always my like gotchas. Those are good gotchas. Yeah, th- those are always like the gotchas. On the credit report, it was um, back in the day more than today. Short sales. Mm. It was for whatever reason, you know, it wouldn't. The system wouldn't necessarily always catch when someone had a short sale. Like today's LOs are like, what, what's he talking about? What is a short sale? By the way, it's when you sell your home for less than you owe. Yeah. You would you would have to be living in some kind of a backward world right now to yeah. be upside down on a mortgage in today's day and age. But imagine you bought a home in 2022 and imagine you got into a bidding war and you paid 10 or 15% above appraised value. So maybe you did your loan at a 97 LTV because you had enough money to cover the 3% yeah. down plus the difference. And what if something terrible happened and your market um home prices came down by 10% and then you got a job transfer and then you had to move from Florida back up to Columbus, Ohio. You may have to short sell your house exactly, or you have to rent it and have the rent cover your payment. So back in the days of nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, a lot of people were upside down. So they had to do short sales. I think a lot of people, um, especially early on, don't, they view the credit report as kind of a hurdle and just to get a credit score. And just to say, hey, I've got a qualifying score, and they don't they don't comb through it enough, like you're saying, and that's another big thing that I try to reinforce is no, there's it, it's it's an appendix to your to your borrowers. Yes, and if you can understand it and dissect it and talk about it intelligently with them, a you sound smart, and then b you'll be able to uncover those bombs. Because I'd rather have that gotcha in training, yes, than have that gotcha when I've got somebody approved and an offer accepted. Oh, uh, that's the worst time to have it. Yes. Um, I like on credit reports to explain the credit score is how you look on the outside. Mm. The body of your credit is how you are on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. I may look phenomenal on the outside, <laughs> but when you get inside and my, my liver is corroded and my kidneys are failing, then am I really a healthy person? Eh, no, I look no. like it, right? Enough Botox and enough uh, plastic surgery. Maybe I look fine, yeah. but yeah, it's, there's two components of being healthy exterior as well as interior. Um, how about this before we like wrap it up? Yeah. You're sitting in a room, you have 500 soon to be or recently licensed loan officers. Yeah. And you can give them some words of advice coming from someone who was once just them four or five years ago, who has succeeded as an originator and now succeeds, um, as, as a trainer of originators, what advice are you bequeathing upon your trainees, this audience? You're given an opportunity to give that soliloquy. The soliloquy. All right. Um, the one piece of advice that I would think uh, that I think I would want to hear. So that's the one that I'm going to give is, is that um, just be a person. So many people try to be that perfect salesperson or they try to change who they are for every single borrower and they try to be a chameleon for every single situation. When, I mean, there there are certain borrowers that you're going to convert astronomically better than I am, and there's certain borrowers that I'm going to convert astronomically better than you are, just because of who we are as people. 
And I think you need to find who you are and stay in that lane and really just make sure you're being true to yourself and that'll come through. And if you're honest with yourself and you're straightforward with your borrowers, then they're going to want to work with you. And I find, I always joke that like, there's not a single time that I've sold a mortgage because of my sales ability. Yeah. It's because like I got off the phone with people and they're like, I just, I liked talking to that guy. Let's, yeah. let's do it. Right. And it's like, that's just who I am as a salesperson. And I think everybody, as long as they are true to themselves can, can do that as well. I think that's great life advice, regardless of industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, you have to be true to thyself. Yeah. Um, and then be true to others, right? You have to be yeah. honest with yourself about who you are, own it, and then let that project without trying to manipulate or deceive other people yeah. into, you use the word chameleon. I once had a um, therapist, someone I hired to work with me, and um, he called me a liar. And I was like, ooh, that's like fighting words where I come from. I'm not, I'm a man of my word. He's like, no, you're not, you're a liar. I'm like, what? He said, the minute you start acting a certain way to get someone to like you, mm. Are you being true to yourself? I'm like, no. He's like, is that your true self? I'm like, no, I'm trying. He goes, then you're lying and you're lying to yourself about who you are. And so you'll hear me say, like, when I heard, when I heard you giving your advice, I'm like, yeah, be true to thine self. Like I need to own who I am and then let other people see that person and then let them decide if that's the person they want to do business with. Life's way easier that way. Yeah. And I'd say it all the time. Like, I don't have enough time in my life anymore with two kids and a wife to like bend over backwards to try to be someone that I'm not just to get a deal. Cause it's like for every person who doesn't want to work with me because of who I am, there's 10 other people who will want to work for me, work with me. So uh, couldn't say that any better. Zig Ziglar says it really well. Yeah. Um, that's where I thought you were going earlier when you mentioned Zig, I'm like, Oh, is he going to quote like one of my favorite Zig Ziglar quotes? Uh, but no, you kind of used it right, right then and there bonus question. Then what, what were some of your misconceptions about the mm. mortgage industry? Like, you know, like when you got into it, you, you had an idea of what you thought you're getting into. I have an idea or a guess that it wasn't exactly what you thought you're getting yourself into for someone who thinks they're getting into a certain, like, like, Oh, I'm getting in this industry because of X. Yeah. How would you explain? No, this is the industry you're getting into. I think, um, I don't, th- I, the way I would answer that, I think you've already done incredibly well in one of your previous episodes, where if you if you think that this industry is a way for you to to punch in at 11 and then take a take a two hour lunch at one and then, you know, just kind of live a easy laid back life, then don't do it right. If you've got the if you have the self-discipline to hold yourself to your own nine to five rather than someone else forcing you to work a nine to five, then yeah, absolutely. You can, you can be incredibly successful just within those hours. But, but if you think it's just something that, uh, yeah, I can, you know, do whatever I want, then no, don't do it. Yeah. It's a career. It is. It's not even a job. It's a career. It is. For those of us that stick it out through for the first two years, you find it's a career. It's something that you should become obsessed with in a good way, consumed yeah. with becoming great. Um, and you don't, it's not a side hustle. I think there's a lot of uh, refinance centric specialists over the past couple of years that we're learning that uh, yeah. in the past six months or so. Uh, how about this? Because I want to have you back on. I want to do a yeah. another episode. So guess what, guys and girls? We're going to make you tune in <laughs> probably in a week or two after this episode drops. And we're going to come back and we're going to do one where I interview Kyle just on his experiences on being a call center LO. Absolutely. Because um, I appreciate this friendship that we've built and you taking the time away from your family of vacation course. to take advantage of what's going on. If people want to get a hold of you, how accessible are you and what's 
the best method of reaching you. Like I'm a LinkedIn guy. Yeah. If you want to connect with me, I am Dustin Owen on LinkedIn. It is by far the best way to get a hold of me. Um, yes, John Coleman, the producer extraordinaire, has us on TikTok and on so and on Facebook, and we're on Instagram and we're on LinkedIn as the Loan Officer Podcast. And I think John really loves it when people visit our website. So the website is theloanofficerpodcast.com. I prefer it when people affectionately call us TLOP. So tloponline.com also takes you to the same website. It's a fantastic way to find even more content and more training material, as well as industry articles and program products and guidelines. It's also a good way to get a hold of John Coleman. He doesn't want you to know that, but I just spilled the beans. He likes to tell you to go to Google and Google John Coleman because there's only about 1,100 of them in the United States of America. Uh, but I'll tell you now, you can find John Coleman on tloponline.com. And John also monitors our YouTube channel. So if you go to our YouTube channel, and please subscribe if you do, um, John also monitors the comments there. So you might not know it, but you're really communicating with John Coleman. But I want to talk about Kyle Johnson. How do I get a hold of you? <laughs> LinkedIn's probably best. Just okay. Kyle Johnson on LinkedIn. I'm on pretty much any platform, but I don't use them. I'm not the best social media guy. Good for um, you. But yeah, LinkedIn's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. LinkedIn. Yeah. Perfect. Because you don't want people flooding your new American funding uh, email address. No. That's not for you. No. By the way, if you're looking for job opportunities at New American Funding, I happen to know the five markets that they're predominantly in and i have an in with one of the recruiters just fyi there you go. i could probably put you in contact and keep you from having to uh you know jam <laughs> up kyle's inbox but he is kyle johnson at new american funding because there are kyle johnson's on linkedin yeah. like i have two kyle johnson friends exactly. i have one who's like the ceo of lighthouse of central florida which is one of badass nonprofit for the vision impaired oh that's amazing yeah so you're now my second kyle johnson friend i've known I him since like 1994. So he has a, little he, bit longer he has a couple years on you, Just but couple. no, nonetheless, thank you so much for your time. Let's stick around to another episode, but for anyone else tuning in, that's all the time we have for you today for this episode, but we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Peace.